0: But that, that, and this is a whole other topic, like the language and how we present things and how we talk to students in front of, like, that's a whole nother topic. Like language is more powerful than any intervention we can give as clinicians. Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation,
1: including rehab, performance, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk podcast powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. My name is Dr. Max LePage, and I am here with Dr. John Herding. Hey, guys. How are you? Dr. Nisha Meyer. Hello. And future Dr. Hannah Lewis. Hey, guys. And we're going to start off um, as we did in a previous episode. I'm going to make sure not to forget this one. Um, Hannah has a joke prepared for us all.
2: Okay. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Okay. Why didn't the T-Rex work out today? Something about the arms. <laughs>
3: I
0: know this That's one. where I was going with it. Going
2: I ahead. appreciate that you guys guess.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. But.
2: He was dinosaur.
1: Oh. Um, <laughs> that's a good it one. It had nothing to do with the arms.
2: I know. I
3: thought it was, like, he is, I thought like, that was going to be low-hanging fruit. Tight biceps <laughs> or something. Tight
0: yeah. biceps. Okay. Uh, anyway, so
1: today's episode, this is going to be the introduction of a new series, um, which is going to be called the Student Struggle Series. So we're going to be talking about kind of common challenges that students face um, working in clinical practice as students going through their clinical rotations or early clinicians like new grads. Uh, and obviously, this is going to be geared a little bit more towards the performance-based PT realm. So. Um, sports performance types, clinics, or um, college training rooms, or just generally more active or athletic populations. Um, but we're going to touch on some of the other settings and maybe some of the challenges you'll have as a performance-based PT while you're going into those other settings. Um, and then we're also going to talk about some of the soft skills in the clinic, communication, um, you know, body posture, positioning, whatever you want to talk about from soft skills standpoint, some hard practice skills, and then Um, some of confidence and the other challenges that are generally faced just from an actual clinical practice standpoint um, when you're a student. So this is going to be the introduction to that series. We're just going to be kind of riffing a little bit about some of the common challenges that you'll face um, as a student in practice and we'll kind of go with the flow, but I do want to bring up the first one Um, and this is going to be something that we kind of touched on actually in the clinic Last week, I believe, when it comes to introducing yourself. Um, so, this is something that I actually put a decent amount of thought into while I was in my clinical rotations as a student because I felt like as I was going through, when I would introduce myself to a patient in the waiting room or as I was about to invite them back, um, I would say, Hey, my name's Max LePage, I'm a PT student. I'm here under my clinical instructor, or whatever, and I would introduce myself as a student. And I always felt like maybe this was my own insecurity about being a student, not having the authoritative, authoritative kind of presence, but I always felt like as soon as I said that, the person already bought in a little bit less to the kind of the plan or the process there. Um, they felt like they were being seen by a, a less legitimate source of information than if it was two months later and I'm graduated with my license, even though there's basically no difference between me then and, and after. So um, that was something that we ran into last week with you, Hannah. Um, what are your perspectives or what's your kind of idea when you're thinking about that concept of how to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I don't know if all schools are like this, but um, at my school they were very I don't know we were very like serious about that like in practicals you introduce yourself you say hey I'm Hannah I'm a student physical therapist is it okay if I work with you today kinda of thing you know you had to say it every practical um, my first two clinicals uh, it was similar uh, I would just introduce myself as a student that kinda of thing uh, and then John and I had the discussion like hey like, you don't need to wear your name tag just be here do your thing So that was different, being here. And something that I've kind of been thinking about here recently is, even in my own head, stop thinking, I'm just a student. Like, I'm just a PT student. And just getting that out of my head and just knowing that I'm here, doing what you guys are doing, like, I'm getting guidance from you guys. Like, it's okay. Like, I don't have to think I'm just a student.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a a really, important insight for you to recognize that there's a ton of value that you can provide an individual sitting in front of you as a student. Um, you know, maybe in the circumstance that it's an incredibly complex case, at that point you think, I feel like I would want someone to contribute who maybe has a little bit more experience or knowledge, but there's still for the vast majority of people, there's a ton of value that you can give them. So starting to think of yourself less as a student and just as an early source of information um, can be can be an important kind of shift in the mindset. I think it's important to give a disclaimer that if you're a student, you certainly can't identify yourself as a physical therapist um, who's licensed and practicing and is a doctor of physical therapy or has a doctorate in physical therapy. So you cannot outright lie. But there's a difference between introducing yourself as a student and saying, you know, within the eval, like, yes, I'm, I'm currently undergoing education at Jefferson, this is part of my educational process, or introducing it in, in kind of like, hey, I'm here for three months, I'm undergoing clinical rotations right now, bouncing between different settings, um, and so I'm here for three months or whatever, and I'm gonna be taking care of you today or evaluating you today. That obviously does not identify yourself as a clinician or as something that you are not, but it also recognizes like, I'm here for a temporary period of time. I am, you know, not a working therapist here per se. So that tended to be the way that I would go in school. It's just like, I usually would just introduce myself by my name, have them come back, and then at some point in the conversation, I'm like, yeah, I'm here because I, I'm, I'm studying at Jefferson or I, I work with Jefferson or whatever capacity, um, and I'm here as part of that educational process for clinical rotations. Um, And that, I guess, I kind of gauged based on the patient in front of me and how open to that process they seem to be. Um, Nisha, obviously, you also recently graduated from PT school, so this isn't something that you're unfamiliar with uh, from a personal standpoint in the recent future or the recent past. Um, How did you kind of handle that?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think it depends on your setting. So, like, when I was in the inpatient rehab hospital setting, everyone's in scrubs. You're all wearing the same gear. And that was like really easy to be like, hi, I'm Nisha, I'm with physical therapy. I co-treat with my CI at the time. I'm going to be working with you today. No frills there. And more of like the outpatients. Yeah, I never said I was a student.
1: I actually was the opposite. I always said I was a student in that context. Oh. Um, Because for me, I was in the emergency room. So my clinical instructor was there 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. So almost in that setting, I was like, I don't care if you don't buy into me. I'm only seeing you once in my entire. Like, I don't need you to buy into a plan of care, yeah, and really see me as someone with actionable. Like, I just need you to. That's unfortunately, why I did. No offense to the inpatient there. I just need you to stand up and like we can assess your movement here. That's why I um, didn't
3: say I was a student.
1: Th- that's interesting. Th- that's why I did because I was like, you have no choice here. You have to stand up and walk with us. And my CI is here anyways, so I don't need kind of the yeah. That's
3: interesting. 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 Yeah. Anyway, sorry, so, to an
1: inpatient therapist. I apologize. What you do is very skilled. The Same. But it wasn't my focus. I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> so cool. in like the outpatient world, my second clinical my CI would always introduce me in the beginning. It was a small clinic, so I think it also depends on like how long you've been there. Like within the first week or two, people are gonna know who you are. You don't have to introduce yourself anymore. But in the beginning, he would say, "This is Nisha. She's our doctor of physical therapy. She's a doctor getting her doctorate," and that would totally changed the vibe of like she's just a student um and he would say she's in her final clinical rotation like a med school residency do you mind working with her and that just that language changed kind of um i guess people's experience or perceptions of a physical therapy student and then by my last one i wasn't even introducing myself as a student that's kind of my personality too I'm just loud and out there and confident, but um, I can definitely see how it can be a struggle if you're nervous and you're not comfortable in the setting.
1: Yeah, and I will say, I actually, I'm going through residency process now, and I spend some time at different mentors clinics over the course of the year, and I've spent some time at my first mentors clinic um, recently, and obviously I'm an unfamiliar face. I'm someone who just kind of pops in out of nowhere. That's typically associated with being like a student um, which I suppose I am, right? I'm a student in residency, but it, it's a different kind of dynamic there um, because I am a licensed clinician and who's practicing and everything full-time. Um, but even in those circumstances, when my mentor introduces me, he says like, hey, he's he makes a point because he's not conscious of all of this, he makes a point to say, hey, this is Max, he's a licensed clinician, works full-time at another clinic. He's just undergoing some advanced training in residency. And so he's here spending some time. But this is probably purely an insecurity type of thing with not wanting to seem like the person is distrusting with the care that they're providing. Um, but I, I, even in that circumstance, some people say like, oh, so you're a student. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with being a student, but <laughs> right. like, there is a distinct difference between being a student and being a licensed clinician, especially just from a legality standpoint. Like, yeah. I am practicing under my own license here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That It's it's an actual issue that I'm starting to re, re-experience, I guess, or something that I'm starting to think about a lot. So it was uh, reminiscent to me when we had that conversation last week about how are we going to approach this. But I tend to be like you, Nisha. Uh, what do you say, John? I, I'm sure that you fall in line with, like, don't care about how they address themselves in terms of making it known that they're a student. What but. I think how does it make you feel, Hannah, when we introduce you as
0: a student? Like, when we go up to a patient and say, this is our student, Hannah, she's going to, or typically I'll say, like, this is Hannah, we're going to treat you together today. That's kind of how I present it a lot of times. Um, But, like, how does it make you feel, Hannah, when you're introduced as a student or you have to introduce yourself as a student? And you use that term, term, student.
2: Yeah, so definitely similar to what Max said, like, it makes you feel like just automatically that takes away some trust. Mm-hmm. Like, and kind of like how I was in my own head, like, well, they know I'm just a student. So yeah. like that kind of thing. But I think a lot of it too just depends on your CI because in my own experience, the my previous CIs were, did pretty much introduce me every time as a student. Mm-hmm. They would jump in a lot kind of take over at certain points so i think a lot of how you introduce yourself and depends a little bit on your ci like their preference and stuff like that so around here it feels good not saying like hey i'm a student like can i treat you like that kind mm-hmm. of thing
0: yeah yeah and the reason i ask that is because like right away if if someone introduced me as a student, right away that brings me down a notch. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. gives me a little bit lack of confidence, yeah. right? Where the the progression of becoming a clinician, if, as especially as you get into your third and fourth clinicals where, where you are right now Hannah, I think it's, you need to be allowed to try things and fail. And the, clini- the, the CI, the clinical instructor should, allow you to do so as long as you aren't putting the patient at risk and as long as you're getting results. Right?
2: Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. And I think that's where the growth starts to happen is around your third clinical because more so for me, at least in the first two clinicals, there wasn't much of that at all.
0: But failure still has to happen in the first and second as long as you you still meet the expectations of the patient. Like the best learning happens from failure. Mm-hmm. not from being successful and having people stop it. Because if you have a 20-year clinician as your CI and he doesn't let you make your own decision and he's like, well, you need to be doing this, then where where's the learning happen, Yeah. right?
1: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I even, so I got a flu shot like two days ago and it was a student who gave me the flu shot. And I knew that it was a student who was giving me the flu shot. And as soon as she was like, okay, you're gonna like, do you feel comfortable giving the flu shot? And I'm just sitting there, like, does she feel comfortable giving me a flu like, shot? Like, do you feel I'm comfortable
3: like, giving me the yeah. flu I'm shot? I'm like, <laughs> what about like?
1: I was just like, all right, here we go. My axillary nerve is gone. I'm going to lose delt go. function. Like, but that, like, that that, and this is a whole other topic. Like, the language
0: and how we present things and how we talk to students in front of cli- yes. like, yeah, it, that's a whole nother topic. Like, language is more powerful than any intervention right. we can give as clinicians. Right. So um, it matters. It totally sure. matters, and that's where that's why I asked her again about how does it make you feel when someone presents you as a student? Like, right away, like, I feel like, to me, confidence drops.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, would you prefer if people said, like, hey, this is Hannah, Um, I'm helping, or I'm going through some clinical mentoring with her, so I'm just going to be a part of the evaluation to give her some feedback? Like, is that better than saying, like, I'm her clinical instructor, or I'm, like, just saying, hey, I'm providing Hannah with some mentoring? Like, what would you want the person to say if they're going to sit in the eval with you?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, way to approach it. And in my experience, it's never been like introduced in that way. But I think for sure that would be... And I think it just helps the student and the patient feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. Just knowing that you trust the student and that you're both going to do you know, a good job
1: together. Yeah, you're just there to provide maybe some mentorship. Yeah. It's not like... You're teaching them how to do this stuff. It's like, no, they know. I'm just providing them some mentorship as advanced training, which it is advanced training. It's a doctorate education, so it's like, hey, I'm just helping uh, mentor Hanno for some advanced training. So I'm going to give her some feedback as we go through this. And I I don't know. To me, that seems like I would have liked a CI had a CI uh, introduce it that way.
2: Yeah, I think that that seems like a really good way to go about it.
1: And. Worth noting, we do have actually another student in the room. Um, his name's Dylan, he's a current student at Thomas Jefferson University in, in Philadelphia. Um, and, what's that? First year. First year, first student. year student. So yeah, Hannah's so third
0: year in her third clinical and then Dylan's just hanging out today. And Yeah, so yeah.
1: he's a first year student at Jefferson, so they're actually all online right now, so there's obviously some interesting insight there, but um, he has a perspective on this topic, so.
0: Yeah, just, I mean, sort of quickly piggybacking off of that, I think that there's a lot of things that you can do as well as a student to sort of reframe it in the more positive sort of narrative of like, if you have somebody that's saying, oh, hey, so you're a student, like as a patient or something like that, you could be like, yeah, definitely. I am a student. I'm currently sort of like on this bleeding edge of like what is now upcoming with all the new research. I'm currently understanding all of the new ideas and like sort of the progressive aspect of physical therapy that is currently happening. So then you can kind of show that, Hey, I'm also providing maybe a new insight that the clinician who might've been practicing for 20 years might not have had. That's just sort of what and, I was sort of thing. And that's a great point because I know, I think some of your prior experiences, Hannah, it was very old school, very modalities based. Um, causing patients a lot of pain with some of the manual interventions. And therapies come a long way from that, right? So there's a lot of times where the student may be the more progressive person, but you have to have a CI-student relationship where the CI allows that to happen.
1: Right? Yeah, and honestly, like, when I look at clinicians in the the medical field in general, like, we were just looking at some uh, sports psychologists this morning to kind of build a relationship there and i was looking at them and i'm i'm honestly kind of this is ageist to some degree and, and i don't want it to seem that way but i am biasing my view towards like hey are there some younger sports psychologists because that increases my confidence that they're going to be more up to date with kind of the things that tend to work um and so i think that there is a positive there and Dylan, that's a really good point of highlighting that as the student being like, yeah, I am really excited to be here and to provide some insight being that I'm currently like affiliated with Jefferson and working with them. And we're obviously developing a lot of cutting edge techniques and, and research there. So it's it's been great for me to be able to have the opportunity to share that with this clinic. And, and then it's like, oh, my God, like this person is coming in here with some, some new knowledge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the best orthopedic surgeons and sports med docs we refer to are 45 and below yeah because they have the more progressive ideas they're not stuck in their ways They're yeah. they're more adaptable like yeah just thinking back through or through our referrals who we refer to and it's you they're 45 and younger
1: yeah and that's not to say that you can't be a 60 year old orthopedic surgeon or PT and not have great ideas but like if I'm making a referral and a, a judgment based on correlation and just looking at the masses without knowing an individual clinician itself like if someone were to ask me, hey, I'm looking for a PT in Oregon, and let's say another like Montana. I know someone in Oregon, so I'll say Montana. Uh, I would probably say, hey, try to find someone with a doctorate level education that's graduated within the last five years and is involved in X or Y, like in sports or performance. And that gives me more confidence than if they're like, oh, yeah, I've been, I'm seeing someone. They've been practicing for 35 years. That time, I'm like, ooh, man. I don't know who you're like I don't know what narratives are associated with that length of time practicing but unfortunately they're generally not good um, and that's a generalization but that's all I can do in this circumstance so let's pivot from this this slight introduction um, thing. what are some other common challenges uh, I know Nisha has some insight here so what's yeah. a common challenge I
3: thought I just saw like Hannah you were mentioning CI involvement which I feel like is a good one to talk about, depending on what setting you're on or what week you're on, but what are your general thoughts about feeling comfortable and confident and how much do you want your CI to be like part of that patient care?
2: Yeah, Uh, that's so interesting to just think about and talk about. Um, So generally in PT school, you know, you're going through different rotations that vary in length. Mine happen to be three eight-week and one 16-week clinical. And when it really comes down to it, eight weeks is not a long time. It flies by. And when you think about meeting someone new, so your CI, like connecting with them, learning about them, they're learning about you, making that relationship kind of takes, like it doesn't happen instantly. So I think it's always good to kind of go in with some conversation, just like, hey, like, figure out expectations type thing. Um, Understand that, yeah, it's gonna take a little chunk of your eight-week experience to connect with them, but at the same time, just start, you know? Like, if you are concerned with, like, introducing yourself, ask them about it, or um, I've had a couple classmates with the issue, their CI was jumping in a little too much and they wanted to have a little more free reign to kinda try a couple things and then have them take over. And you just have to kinda have that conversation when things like that come up. And pretty early on because it's gonna fly by and you you really wanna get the most out of your clinical experiences.
1: Yeah, I feel like when you think of that point of connecting with the CI, I feel like when I look back at my Uh, rotations. There's one in particular where I was just like absurdly busy from day one until the last day. I didn't really feel like I ever got to sit down and have an even a conversation just about like life or just unrelated things. So I feel like there was no real connection there and that that did hinder the ability to kind of communicate on maybe clinically related things over the course of the, the rotation because I just felt like we just even, haven't even gotten a chance to like get to know each other at all. And uh, like you're my teacher 40 hours a week basically. Um, so I, I think that it's been valuable for you coming in and us having like a couple hours here and there to discuss and to talk and to get to know like, what are your goals? What are the ways that you like to learn? Like I asked you the question on the first day, like what's the worst thing I could do as a teacher to you? Because if you tell me that's putting you right on the spot, then I'm not gonna do that. If you tell me that, that it's you know, overshadowing you the whole time, then I'm not gonna do that. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even get to know the person at all, then you're not gonna be able to kind of craft your feedback to how they may learn more effectively.
0: Well, and I think that's one of the, the questions on our application is how do you best accept feedback? Like in the moment or would you rather not have it done in front of the patient, yeah. right? So like, you have to have the, those discussions
1: so what about when, say, you're not quite as sure in terms of the specific practice setting that you want to go in in the population and all of that, unless you've figured that out in the last two <laughs> weeks and we haven't talked about it. But um, I was in a, in a position where a, as much as I tried to remain open-minded through my clinical experiences to like, hey, maybe I'll fall in love with something else, I just wasn't going to. And at a certain point, I accepted that like, sports performance is and orthopedics is the direction I'm going and I was fully committed to that. So for me it was challenging not to be in that setting for a period of time. I mean I I spent twelve weeks in a in an emergency room and then spent half of another fourteen weeks in a very general outpatient orthopedic setting, which wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't sports performance by any means. So um That was a challenge for me what was the challenge for you guys going through your clinical rotations in terms of maybe trying to figure out what setting you want to be in or being in a setting that you know you don't want to be in
3: yeah i'll start so i was kind of like you max but i tried to go into pt school with an open mind i actually really enjoyed the inpatient rehab setting just because like you have a gym setting. You're not just like getting up, walking, and then they're leaving. Like Some patients had strokes, some patients had um, Guillain-Barre, which is like a neurologic disease, but they all had the potential to come back with exercise. So I actually felt like what I was doing was really meaningful. And it was like, I did a lot of circuit training, a lot of progressive loading for these patients that you would see difference like each week. They were just having like all this neuroplasticity and changes. Um, and adaptations which were so cool but I just burned out emotionally like when you're in that setting it is just that person's life has completely changed and I it just wasn't for me long term and my like view of function was probably not going to get to a level that they would ever be and so that I don't think I could do that for long term Um, and then I was in like a general outpatient setting and I feel like I continuously pushed the envelope for my patients and my like instructors and different co-workers were like why are you having them do all this I'm like because they need to do this like a weighted sit to stand is not crazy and so I knew that I was like I, I either will like shake things up in a general outpatient or I'll just go see what this John Herding guy is all about and <laughs> end up here.
1: John has no comment on that. <laughs>
0: no, no I mean it's it's all just movement progressions, right? It's yeah. a sit to stand sit up and down the toilet. It's the same as a 400-pound squat. It's just where on the spectrum are you? Yeah, Yeah, right? and
1: and sometimes it's- you have someone who should be squatting with a 40-pound kettlebell in their hands, but you go into a clinic and they're squatting their body weight. Like, why aren't we loading this person? Why are we not creating change? And that was the same thing that I struggled with too because I was like, why does it feel like a sin in some clinics to have people actually exude effort while they're here like heat massage and then a few hamstring stretches and then ice is not going to change the way their body functions or the way their their brain is perceiving pain or whatever it's not going to create any change and so i was in the same boat where i'm like in this clinic and i want people to actually do things and there's a lot of expectations from a patient coming in on prior experiences with therapy. What do they expect it to be? Do they expect to have to work hard? Do they come in in you know, athletic shorts or do they come in in jeans or their business clothes? So you get a lot of info there. But um, like the reality is, as a student, you're coming in with maybe this perspective of trying to actually produce change and push people in a way that might not be actually totally... Acceptable in the clinic as as wild as that sounds when you're thinking of physical therapy. Well, so
0: how does that transition? I can't speak to this because I've been doing this for too long and you guys are all brand new and Hannah your student how is that transition for you Hannah from maybe a, what you'd consider a more tra- traditional Clinic that's modalities based to coming here where we're using very little modalities of any
2: right, so um, Yeah, my The clinical that I just finished up was um, just a traditional outpatient ortho. So kind of what you, the typical clinic that you think of. Um, And that was, that was a challenge in a sense. I definitely went in with expectations because I do like ortho, I like outpatient. Um, And so I went in excited, you know, ready to go. And it just wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. And I, Remember, clearly, you know, you guys are talking about sit-to-stands and squats and stuff. Um, myself, having someone do a sit-to-stand and my CI saying they need to hold on. You know, they need upper extremity support. They shouldn't be doing this X, Y, and Z. And
1: You're going to get them too strong. <laughs> yeah.
2: In those instances, you know, you Lift just got to smile to your CI and do what they ask. And then but transitioning here, um, that was a challenge for sure, especially for me, my clinicals got a little rearranged thanks to good old coronavirus. Um, But I think just, I don't know, coming in with a clear mind, whatever the transition of settings is, going in with a clear mind, ready to learn, not being afraid to try things and just being confident in your selection of what you're doing
1: yeah and i will say like the being in a in a profession in general like medicine like rehab like sports like this is going to change a lot in the next 30 years with developing techniques and research and more information and things are going to change there will be points in time in your career where you're interacting with people who you have different viewpoints from and certainly coming in as, as a student, you may already have different viewpoints than your clinical instructor, uh, and you want to make sure that although you might think, like, hey, I am I have the most recent information and I know what's up, I know what I'm doing, this experienced guy, he he's like super out of date and he's doing all this stuff. That may be true, um, but it's important for you to go into those conversations, like you said, you went into the rotation, open mind, clear head. And when there are challenges, it's important that you do challenge your clinical instructor on certain things, but that you do it in a way that, that is open to their feedback, that is inviting to their response. You know, like, it's not going to be effective, like, well, why do you do this when the research shows it's ineffective? And that's like what you learned in school for ultrasound or this or that. Typically the way I would go about those conversations would be like, hey, I'm just curious, here's some information that I learned in school. It seems to conflict to some degree with what you're doing. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this information in combination with what you think or what your information is. Um, And that way you're separating kind of yourself from the ideas and you're just presenting like, here's some stuff I think I've learned. What do you think about that stuff? And I did that all the time and a lot of times that produced very constructive conversations and even in certain circumstances, I had a clinical instructor who's like, that's interesting, could you send me that paper? Like I would wanna read it um, and maybe that would be a better way to go about this. And I was like, that's cool. Like, but if you don't go into those conversations with a true, genuine effort to reach a common understanding and acknowledging all of the things you agree on, and then presenting maybe some of the things that you might disagree on after you guys learn a little bit more about each other's perspectives. Like You want to have that dialogue. You don't want it to be a student versus CI, like my CI sucks and I have to deal with all of these bad ideas. Because even in disagreements or in differences in perspective, there's a lot you can learn there if you try to explore some of those differences. Um, that's what I think there's there's a ton of value
0: in all of that education because you're getting perspective from you're seeing what's traditionally been done so you're getting a little history of the profession and you're seeing how you might want to improve it um, I would assume that even if they're doing all of these things they've still been getting pretty decent results they still have a job they're still helping people feel better right um, so it, I think it's all you know and, and then it kind of goes back to understanding the basics so that you can, improve on on them and and move the profession forward and 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 all that so it's all learning experience and there's a lot of value in that type of experience as well
1: yeah there's it's all about the mindset that you go into it with and so many times when I had classmates while I was in school who said they had a bad experience I I always felt like there was a barrier that they were already setting up Mm -hmm. not to learn Unless it was this perfect learning scenario with this great CI. And any time a student would, a younger student would ask me, I'd be like, dude, there is something to learn Mm. from all of those situations. Even if in the worst case scenario, it's what not to do and how not to do it. There's always something to learn. And at the very least, like anyone who's been working in the profession for an extended period of time, maybe they have other skills from like a, hey, productivity management, business management, this is what I know about marketing, this is what profit margins look like, this is what uh, we do to build a business or why we choose these t- Like There's other things that they can absolutely provide you knowledge on if you have the time to kind of delve into that stuff that isn't necessarily the effectiveness of this treatment or that treatment. So I don't know, it, it, it is such a mindset thing, um, but growth mindset growth mindset for sure
2: yeah Uh, so I will say whatever the challenge is whether it's a challenge of the setting itself a challenge with your relationship with your CI whatever um, I think there's two things you can focus on to really still make it a successful experience and this is what I really focused on at my last clinical one how can you grow I think my last Clinical, it was very challenging, but the amount of growth I saw in myself, and that was from reading books, kind of just reflecting, growing each day, kind of thing. And then the other thing is bringing the focus back to the patient as well, because you're going to learn a lot from your patient too. Whether you learn more about communication or you do try something new and you see an awesome result with that you know, for that hour or however long they're in, that's, that's what your focus is on, that patient, and just really learning from those experiences every day.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that is very valuable insight, I think. Nisha, did you have something to add? I was just gonna say
3: preach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. are okay.
1: Um, yeah, so hopefully you guys got a little bit of insight introducing kind of some of the, this is barely scratching the surface of some of the challenges that a student will face in undergoing clinical experiences clinical rotations obviously it's a it can be a daunting task thinking about where am i going to go but again reflecting on having that growth mindset and using some of those uh, changes in your perspective can allow you to make the most out of all of those experiences and ultimately once you're a licensed clinician you can go on and and have more freedom to kind of choose the practice setting and the people that you want to kind of build that relationship with so Um, there's light at the end of the tunnel even when those experiences aren't what you necessarily want them to be. Um, So like we said, this is going to be a several part series Uh, This was just the introduction on some of those concepts so hopefully you guys found some value from that and you want to stick around for some of the later episodes where we're getting a little bit more into the specifics of soft skills, communications, actual hands-on skills, um, and the student perspective on some of that stuff. So hopefully we can prepare you a little bit more for your future clinical rotations or for clinical rotations you're in right now um, and then just general life as a student. Again, if you need any questions or have any questions and you want to reach out to us, Precision Performance PT on Instagram and um, the website, you can always find me at maxlepage.dpt on Instagram.
2: I'm sbt.hannah.
3: Nisha Meyer.dpt.
1: John Herding underscore dpt. And we always appreciate you guys listening. We hope you're all staying safe, staying healthy, and we will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye.
0: Did you know... We now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals. If you're interested in any one of these, please email John at j-o-n at precisionperformancept.com, and he can help you get started today.